It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The 2020 season did not quite go as planned for Reds fans as the playoffs ended abruptly in the wild card round. Now the Reds are left to pick up the pieces during the offseason and fix a lineup that was the worst in Major League Baseball. How are they going to do it? What are they going to do? Rumors, transactions, news, all here on the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Let's go. What's up, Reds fans? Welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. Sorry for the uh, late release here on this Tuesday, Election Day. Hopefully this podcast finds you wanting to hear about some Reds on Election Day. Let's talk some baseball, huh? Get our minds off of all of the other stuff going on outside. Thanks so much for joining me. On today's episode, I want to tell you why Tyler Malley is ready to be considered as a part of the three-headed rotation monster should Trevor Bauer not return to the Reds this season. Also have a segment of Jeff's Junk Mail coming up later on in the episode. Real quick, though, before I do, I wanted to let you know later on this week, have an exciting interview coming with Rob Wooten. Those of you who remember last offseason, I got the chance to talk with Rob. He is a guy who endured many, many arm surgeries and still continued to chase his dream of being a major league pitcher. Well, this past offseason, he announced his retirement, but also announced that more involvement with the Reds organization was coming. He was waiting to get some stuff finalized on all of that. That has been finalized, and he will be joining me later this week to talk about his new role as the pitching coach for the Chattanooga Lookouts. We're going to talk with Rob more about that coming up later this week. You're not going to want to miss that. All right, so let's jump in. 
But I thought it important to note because as we're running into this offseason where I think we all understand that the Reds only have an outside shot at retaining the services of Trevor Bauer, who officially was named a NL Cy Young finalist the other day by the Baseball Writers Association of America, I, I think it's important to note that there are plenty of talented dudes on the roster that can fill out a solid rotation. But even Tyler Malley kind of inserts himself into not really an elite level just yet, but he is a great pitcher. He took that step in 2020. I want to kind of analyze that here in just a moment. But kind of as I mentioned, Bauer named a Cy Young finalist. I think we all understood that was going to happen. The others named you Darvish from the Cubs and Jacob deGrom from the Mets. Those are the two guys that will be congratulating Trevor Bauer on winning the NL Cy Young. Okay, I kid. But I mean, honestly, it's Trevor Bauer, right? It's not going to be DeGrom. It's not going to be you, Darvish. It's Trevor Bauer. I've said that many times. I've defended it. I don't need to get into all that here. It's going to be Trevor Bauer as your NL Cy Young. I firmly believe that. All right, so replacing him because I think we'd all be surprised if he returns, if the Reds are able to pony up enough dollar signs for him to stay at Great American Ballpark. Let's look at what the Reds have to replace him. We've got guys like Tyler Malley, Wade Miley under contract. You still have the 2020 breakout of TJ Antone coming from nowhere. I don't think anybody expected to see that kind of a performance from him, but he's definitely a rotation candidate. Michael Lorenzen as well fits in to uh, your possible rotation candidates that are already in-house without Trevor Bauer coming back. But I want to look specifically at Tyler Malley. He's, he's going to be, this is a player-focused podcast today, looking specifically at him because in 2020, he was pretty good. Now, he only pitched 47 and two-thirds innings, which in most cases, whenever you look at that sort of number, you'd say, okay, that's kind of a small sample size to extrapolate a whole lot of uh, future performances from. But we can look at a couple of different things from Baseball Savant that really lend to how good Tyler Malley can be. In those 47 and two-thirds innings, he had a strikeout percentage of 29.9. So let's call it 30%. That's better than 8% above league average. So he's already way above average when it comes to getting the strikeouts. So how does he do that? Man, he spins the ball. His four-seam fastball just goes crazy with the movement because of how much spin he puts on it. As far as vertical movement and horizontal movement are concerned, he's in the top, the higher echelon of the league of pitchers who make their fastballs move in either direction. I mean, in fact, in both directions, he's very good at that. But more so, he's got a very unique combination of junk pitches. He's got a slider that he can throw to right-handers that breaks away from them, but he's also got a split-finger pitch. It's more of a slower pitch, so I'm not really sure that it's a fastball, but a split-finger pitch that averages around 87 miles an hour that breaks away from left-handed hitters. So he is able to pitch to both sides of the plate without having to compromise too much on the pitches that he throws because his split-finger was very good last season. In fact, Savant breaks it down a lot when you look at the pitches that he had, both his split finger and 
his slider were just absolutely devastating to opposing hitters as they hit below the Mendoza line for both pitches. I mean, and and he threw his split finger a lot more to left-handed batters, like I said, because it breaks away from them. But he was able to neutralize both sides of the plate with those two pitches. Now, some of the statistics are something to watch. And one of the reasons that I say that he is not yet at the elite level is because he kind of allows a decent amount of hard hit contact. According to Baseball Savant, he allows 39% when it comes to hard hit rate. And that's about 5% above league average. So when he is allowing contact, uh, they're hitting the ball kind of hard. However, the good news was he still had an expected batting average allowed of 188. That's phenomenal. In fact, that's good enough to make it into the top 10% of of the entire league. So I, I still like what we see from Tyler Malley, and I think that he can take that next step next season to be the number three guy. I mean, we're talking about a dude who's 26 years old and knows how to spin and make his pitches move quite a bit and move in a way that suits him best. He he allows a lot of hard contact, but he also induces a decent amount of weak contact as well when you compare the batted ball profile to the rest of the league. As they're inducing about 3% of weak content, Tyler Malley was able to induce 6%. So, you know, twice as good as league average. That's something to look forward to as well. But dude has a lot of great talent, a lot of great stuff. And I think with Derek Johnson and Caleb Cotham, he's going to be able to continue that development and be the top three with Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray in 2021 and that's that's if Trevor Bauer doesn't come back who knows maybe he does and we've got a top four that is absolutely phenomenal new game day shirt boom cash back food for the tailgate boom cash back even buying around can earn you cash back when you use your debit card and yes we said debit card with discover cashback debit everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases in sports it's hard to predict who's taking the win but you know what's guaranteed to win discover cashback debit did i mention there are no fees period this one is a real game changer check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit discover bank member fdic Starting off the Jeff's Junkmail segment for the day, wanted to point out yesterday we had a message talking about the Reds extending a qualifying offer to Trevor Bauer and how that may signal that the Reds are willing to pay Bauer to come back. That uh, got a follow-up text message from that. Came from Andrew from Fairfield and Tampa. So, okay, so he grew up in Fairfield. He moved to Tampa. That's pretty cool. Like, Florida's amazing. I hope to be able to travel there quite a bit throughout the rest of my life. But he also mentioned that he figured with the qualifying offer being more than his salary in arbitration last year, that might mean that the Reds are willing to pay in the market. And I do believe that they're going to give Bauer an offer for sure. I don't necessarily know how it's going to compare with teams like New York, who are absolutely starved for starving pitch or for starting pitching, uh, they're probably going to throw quite a few numbers on that dotted line. I wonder how the Reds stack up, and, and the Reds have a lot of extracurricular stuff that really lends to Trevor Bauer being able to come back. It's just going to be how much is on that dotted line, and I wonder how close the Reds' offer is going to be. That's not something, unless he does come back to the Reds, that's not something that we're ever really going to know of how close they are. That's not something we hear a lot about 
is, oh, the Reds failed to sign this guy. They gave him this much money, or they offered him this much money, and he turned it down and went somewhere else. I, that'd be cool if we did hear about that. But yeah, no, I, I'm with you, Andrew, and I didn't mean to shut you down totally there saying that, oh, no, it's not going to happen. But the Reds will definitely make a competitive offer. I, I believe that. But I also wanted to take a look because I got a great question on Twitter. This is from Gary Crow at Ohio Gary NSC. He said, Hey, Locked on Reds, listening to the episode when you talked about Lindor or Bauer and pairing them with what you said about the bullpen cost. Just thinking, what do you think about Rysel Iglesias being the center of a deal for Francisco Lindor? And that is an interesting thought. In fact, I kind of want to expand that a little bit more because part of the reason that I mentioned Archie Bradley as a non-tender candidate is because the Reds have the ability to non-tender him and get his salary off the books without doing a whole lot of extra work you know like when when it comes to Iglesias they would have to trade him and it would have to be to a team that is willing to pay his entire deal that way they don't have to eat part of it in dead money so that requires a little bit of extra thing but if they can put him in a deal to Cleveland to get Francisco Lindor sign me up on that because like I mentioned the Rays don't pay more than two and a half million dollars to any one of their relievers and we all agree that they had a pretty nice bullpen I mean that's a huge reason as to why they even made the World Series but they don't pay their guys a ton of money whereas the Reds have three guys who are slated to make over four million dollars once arbitration's all said and done this offseason so I think that if they are able to make a deal and if it's for Francisco Lindor then absolutely I will be all for that because there's this there's this belief and it's something that I, I I believed in and it's kind of a fantasy baseball thing so you're gonna groan and be like oh you're you're comparing fantasy baseball to real baseball but honestly hear me out on this it's a fantasy baseball philosophy that I think works in real life baseball and that is don't pay for saves I, I'm of the firm belief and I mentioned it before that I think that the save statistic is goofy. I think that it's kind of weird and it's not something that everybody should fixate on when you look at a pitcher, a relief pitcher's value. Because if you think about it, a save just means that that dude happened to pitch the last out of a game in which his team won. A part of that was not up to him. It wasn't up to him what inning he came in. Like, sure, he can be good enough that he puts himself into his manager's head as the guy that he wants to close out the game. But all in all, like, do we really think that the best guy all the time is the one that gets the last out? Iglesias is a very, very good relief pitcher, but is he miles and miles above? I mean, he had, he had a very nice 2020, but is he miles and miles above Archie Bradley? Is he so much better than Michael Lorenzen or Amir Garrett that we look at him and we say he has got to be the guy that gets the last out of the game? I don't think so. But he's paid more than double of any of those guys. He's making over $9 million this year to be the guy that gets the last out of the game. That seems a little lopsided, especially for a team like the Reds. And I think that's been a reason behind many national baseball writers and baseball pundits who have looked at possible moves during the last couple of seasons during the trade deadline when they're like, well, the Reds could trade Rysel Iglesias. The reason being, he is a relief pitcher who happens to be a guy who gets saves, and he gets paid close to $10 million to do it. I think if we're being objective, we're not looking at a guy who 
at most will pitch maybe four or five innings a week and say, yeah, that guy needs $10 million a year. I mean, let's be objective about that for a minute. So I, I, I kind of advocate for the idea of trading Rysel Iglesias as long as you're getting a piece back that helps you out this year. I'm not saying let's trade him for a prospect or two or something like that. No, no, no. He's got to be part of a deal that brings back somebody that helps you win now because you're in win now mode. If you trade your closer away and you get back prospects who may be up in the next couple of years, then that's not something that you're going to sell me on. That's not something you're going to say, okay, the Reds are trading away Rice Iglesias, but they're doing it and it's going to help them right now. That's what they've got to do. They've got to have a... Uh, very win-now focus. And I think they have that. So I don't think that they're going to go out and trade Rysel Iglesias for prospects. Now, if they can package him in a deal for Francisco Lindor, that's amazing. I don't know about the centerpiece of a deal because I feel like the centerpiece of a deal for Francisco Lindor is going to be a higher-ranking prospect. So like, if, if, if it was a deal, uh, let's say Jonathan India and... Rysel Iglesias. That, that, that would not be the deal, but this is just hypothetically speaking. The centerpiece in that deal for the Indians, if I am the Indians front office and I'm looking at this trade, I'm going after Jonathan India. Rysel Iglesias is kind of an add-on. And actually, somebody replied to Gary's question on Twitter, and they said that if you look at how they've kind of set up the back end of their bullpen, and shout out to John Furlong at Hockey John. He had this response saying that the Indians back into their bullpen is a lot of young guys who are kind of cheap as far as you know their yearly salary, and they just non-tendered Brad Hand, and, or they, they didn't pick up his option, rather, uh, and made him a free agent. We all agree that Brad Hand is a very good closer, but they're kind of following along on this philosophy of don't pay for saves. It's going to be something that I talk about a lot more throughout the rest of the soft season, but uh, there's so many teams that either approach it with a closer by committee or they don't actually have a closer and they just put their best bullpen pitchers in situations during the game where they need to. And I think David Bell tried to do that in 2019 and it pissed off Rysel Iglesias because Rysel Iglesias is in his mind that he's the closer. He, he gets the last out of the game, and if he's not doing that, then that is, is not cool. So if you can make a deal that trades away Iglesias' $9 million-plus contract and brings back a piece that helps the Reds win now, sign me up for that. I love that idea. And Gary, thanks for the idea, man. Thanks for that. So make sure, if you've got a question, you can text it to the Locked On Reds line. You can call the Locked On Reds line, and I'll play your call on the podcast at 513-549-0159, or you can tweet at LockedOnReds or at Jeff Carr with three Fs, and we'll talk about it here on the Jeff's Junk Mail segment. But I thought that that was definitely worth unpacking a little bit because that follows along with my idea of, okay, well, if you non-tender Archie Bradley, you're going to save $5 million on a reliever that, yeah, he's, he's a strong reliever, but how much of a fall-off to the next guy is it in terms of production as opposed to how much it costs to keep Archie Bradley. And if you can do a deal where you trade Rysel Iglesias, then you don't have to really necessarily get rid of Archie Bradley because then you have uh, your top bullpen pitcher getting paid $5 million instead of $9 million. And you're saving a lot of money and hopefully still getting a piece back that helps you right now. 
And look, I know that sounds weird because I'm talking about a Major League Baseball franchise spending money. Why would I advocate for them saving? I'm just saying, what is most likely to happen? What is most likely to happen from this Reds front office who just promoted their new head of baseball ops, Nick Crawl? Is he going to go out and wheel and deal and we're going to spend another $160 million? I don't think that that's most likely to happen. What's most likely to happen is they're going to be kind of frugal with their moves. They're going to get rid of some salary here, maybe add some salary there, and it's probably all going to even out to where it's a little bit less than what the Reds had in payroll in 2020. That's just my thought on that. But the idea of trading Rice out of the Glacius definitely intrigues me. And we'll see how the Reds go about that this offseason because that falls under the category of something we're going to talk about quite a bit. And that is how do the Reds make moves with a salary that's all, or with a payroll that's already pretty set in stone, especially now with Nick Castellanos opting in for 2021, a theme we will continue to talk about throughout this offseason. But that's going to do it for us here today. On tomorrow's episode, we're going to look at a free agent who could help the Reds at the shortstop position. We talked about him last offseason too because he was a free agent last offseason as well, and that is D.D. Gregorius. We're going to talk about him tomorrow on the podcast. You're not going to miss it. Make sure that you're subscribed and all that good stuff. Follow me on Twitter. All of that information is in the episode description. But thanks so much for downloading and listening. Hope to talk to you guys again soon about some Reds baseball here this offseason. But for now, tell your smart device to play the Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast, and I will talk to each and every one of you tomorrow. Let's go, Rex. Hey. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 